0: Trust God. Two single-syllable words that you have heard forever, but you will discover as time passes how difficult they are to obey. Trust God. Of course, I have no way of knowing what the future holds for you. You may lose your home and everything in a fire. You may lose your spouse to an early disease detected but not cured. You may lose your dreams, your hopes. You may lose a relationship that you have cultivated over the years. All losses are painful. We prayed just as hard for my father when his health
1: went downhill as we did for my mother. We quoted the same scriptures. We asked God to restore his health, to let him live. But my father went to be with the Lord. It didn't happen the way I wanted. There will always be unanswered questions. Why didn't my loved one make it? Why am I not getting better? Why did this person leave? Some things are not going to make sense, but God wouldn't have allowed it if he wasn't going to bring good out of it. You may not see it at the time, but God knows what he's doing. He has your
0: best interest at heart. It's not random. It's a part of his plan. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. All your heart, all your ways, trust. Trust.
1: But what about when things aren't going our way? Our prayers aren't being answered. The problem isn't turning around. We're not seeing favor. Too often we get discouraged. Thank God, why aren't you doing something? You can see I'm being mistreated, my health isn't good, I worked hard but I didn't get the promotion. We think when it changes, we'll be happy. When I meet the right person, when my health improves, when we have this baby, then we'll have a good attitude. That's conditional trust. God, if you meet my demands, if you answer my prayers the way I want, on my timetable, then I'll be my best. The problem with conditional trust is there will always be things we don't understand. Something that's not happening fast enough. It didn't work out the way we wanted. If I would have had conditional trust, I would have gotten upset. Bitter God, why didn't you answer my prayers? The truth is, God did answer my prayer. It just wasn't the way I wanted. Are you mature enough to accept God's answers even though they're not what you were hoping for? God is a sovereign God. We're not going to understand everything that happens. Faith is trusting God when life doesn't make sense. God doesn't take us in a straight line. There'll be twists, turns, the disappointments, the loss, the bad breaks. They're all a part of his plan. But if you have conditional trust, you'll get discouraged and think, why is this happening? I'm going the wrong way. But God is still directing your steps. Trust Him when you don't understand. Trust Him even when it feels like you're going the wrong direction. Living worried, frustrated, disappointed, that takes our passion. It steals our joy, and it can keep us from seeing God's favor. And sometimes the closed doors, the disappointments, they are simply a test. God wants to see if we'll trust Him when we don't understand it, when life doesn't make sense. We have to show him that we don't have to have the house to be happy. If we don't have the baby, we're not going to live bitter and sour. You believe in for your health to improve. But when you can say, if it doesn't get better, God, I'm still going to honor you. I'm still going to be my best. When God sees that you don't have to have it, many times like him, God will give you back what you were willing to give up. Are you living frustrated? Because your prayers aren't being answered the way you want. Your plans aren't working out. Take the pressure off. God is in control. He knows what's best for you. You're not always going to understand it. If you did, it wouldn't take any faith. I'm asking you to trust Him unconditionally. If you'll do this, I believe and declare God is going to work out His plan for your life. He's going to open the right doors, bring the right people, turn negative situations around, and take you to the fullness of your destiny.
2: In today's message, I want to talk about grace is greater. Life is hard, but God is good. Grace is greater. Life is hard. But god is good if you have your bibles your electronic device, please feel free to turn with me to romans chapter 8 verse 28 romans chapter 8 verse 28 Many of us know this first we make it our life first and some of us will say, you know, this is how we uh, We live our life out and we know who we are and we know why we're called and we know the purpose of our life but Today, I maybe want to shed some light in a different way in regard to this passage where grace is greater. Life is hard, but God is good. Our pain draws us closer to Jesus and makes us more like Him. We all have different journeys, we all have different stories. But, church, I'm here to tell you that I believe that the Holy Spirit revealed to me that He is in the middle. He knows what's going on. God sees us. He feels for us. He loves us. He's never left us. He's not forsaken us because He cares for us. We use the terminology very loosely, God is good, all the time. And all the time God is good It's nice to say that phrase when you feel things are going well in your life or they're going good in your life And you know, we've been doing it at this church for the last 18 years But i'm going to ask you an important question If our pain draws us closer to jesus and makes us more like him Can you still praise him in the storm? Can you still say that god is good all the time and all the time? God is good. And so when we see in the text here, it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 28, And we know. It doesn't say that Todd knows. It doesn't say that I know. It doesn't make it a singular. It makes it plural. And it says, And we know all things work together for good to those who love God. How many of you love God this morning? Amen. Amen. We all love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, with all of our strength. Even though sometimes we feel like our strength is depleted, we have to say, yes, we feel and we love God for who He is. And yet it continues to say in, in, in the latter part of that, to those who are called according to His purposes. According to His plan. According to His purpose. And we ask the big question is, What is purpose, and what does purpose look like in our life? The question is, and there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, and it had a number of doctors that weighed on the question. We know that God is good and life is hard. One doctor noted that doctors often warn their patients about stress and burnout, and yet a survey from John Hopkins and the Mayo Clinic found that 40% of surgeons said they were burned out. They were done. I stopped, and I had to look at that, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, uh, it's so similar to many of us Christians. We get burnt out very easily. We get tired very easily. We get exhausted very easily. Then as you heard in the video, in the middle of it all, we're asking God, where are you? And we know that he's with us. God's in the middle of a church. He's with us, and he's there to comfort us, even when we feel like sometimes, where are you in the midst of what I'm going through? There was a doctor of internal medicine from California insightfully said when that question was asked We tell our pa- patients to avoid stress to not work too hard to balance their professional and their personal lives yet many of us who Dole out this advice completely ignored ourselves We ignore it because it is hard to follow rather than closing our eyes to this well-meaning bit of hypocrisy We do well to confess our own struggles to our patients Many times it's very difficult for me as a pastor to say the same thing. I can give you the spiritual prescription, yet it's very difficult for me to say to you, here's my struggle, yet here's what I'm going through. There was another doctor that lamented. The doctors often tell their patients to pursue life balance, but from relentless studying in pre-med years fueled by vending machines and burned coffee, to medical schools' brutal avalanche of information that they throw at you. Many of us take, a, take our own health for granted. And often, we fail to see that our lack of balance affects our ability to care for patients with compassion and even focus. So what is the most common piece of advice doctors give, yet they don't take? The Wall Street Journal, August 11th of 2014, said the hardest person to give grace to is often ourselves. We let our busyness and drive do so much that we forget to live a graceful life. And in this sermon today on grace is greater, God's grace is compelling when explained and irresistible when experienced let me repeat that god's grace is compelling when explained and irresistible when experienced let's pray father we love you and we thank you lord for this morning father thank you for the word and i pray that father today that you will anoint me that you will cover me that you will wrap your blanket being the comforter around me Father, I pray that I'll be able to speak this word with clarity. I transfer everything that I am to you. I give it to you. I let go of it and I surrender. So, Father, encourage all of us today as a church to embrace the truth from your loving word. Hide me behind the cross and in your shadows. Lord Jesus, we love you. And, Lord, we uplift those that are in this room that are watching. May the word of God saturate their hearts. Lord, may we all be convicted by the Holy Spirit to turn from our wicked ways and seek your face. And that you'll heal our bodies. You'll heal our land. Father, I pray for those in government. I pray for those over us. Father, that you will continue to move and stir even in the moments that we cannot see. Lord, we put our faith and trust in you as I stand here. As we do in regard to this wonderful country that we live in, the land of the brave and the free. Thank you, Father God, for America. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you can walk away and say, I have experienced grace, not just learn what it is. Interesting, isn't it? Grace is greater than our mistakes. Grace is greater than our bitterness. Grace is greater than our hurts. And grace is greater than our vengeance. We must look at how these keep us from giving grace and letting it flow to others. Amen? It's very easy to take matters into our own hands. We must discover the importance of forgiving even those who try to hurt us. Not for their benefit, but for our own as followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Pastor, for preaching that. I needed to hear that this morning. So, as I say that today's message is, life is hard and God is good. We all have struggles that make life hard, but we have God on our side that makes our life still good. Aren't you glad that God's on your side? Aren't you glad that He knows what you're going through? Aren't you glad that He's a great cheerleader? I don't know how to do that stuff. I better not lift my leg too high. I won't be able to walk off the platform. But I know that God is cheering us on. And when we feel like we're being depleted, when we feel like others are against us, when we feel like the adversaries after us, we know that God is for us. And church, don't you think for 1 minute that whatever struggles you're going through that he is intimidated by, you go to him. He already knows it. That's what I think is cool about it. Because God's in the middle. I should have labeled that this morning. I woke up this morning and uh, I just thought it was kind of cool as all this was was just coming to mind. I'm going to tell you a little bit about a uh, missionary couple from Sweden. Back in 1921, David and Svea Flood went with their two-year-old son to the heart of Africa. They met up with another missionary couple and the four of them decided to take the gospel to a remote area where people had never Heard about Jesus. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Did you all enjoy Brother Jerry last week? Don't you just love his heart? Well, I want all of you to know, and I'll kind of incorporate this here. don't know if you have it, but uh, I'm just throwing this out there right now. But uh, last week, because of your kindness and because of the Holy Spirit stirring up uh, within the, the service, I just want you to know that last week's offering uh, was a wonderful, gracious gift to this missionary and uh steve was able to present him with a check of five thousand five hundred and thirty seven dollars praise the lord amen we've never done that in 18 years but wasn't that just a good thought on monday somebody called me and they're, they're like uh pastor i want to send my offering to your church I said, don't you have your own church? Yeah, but I've been praying about it, so on and so forth. And uh, we received a nice check yesterday. God always takes care of us, and he provides for us. Amen? Amen. And uh, you know what? When you, when you go by faith, God will always take care of us. Listen, are you comfortable today? Aren't you glad that we're not outside in the humidity, that we have air conditioning, and that God's providing? God always provides. You know what I've enjoyed over, since 2020? I've enjoyed that I don't have to get up here and talk about stewardship, that all of you love Jesus and it shows. So thank you. You know, I don't have to say, let's pass the plate two, three, four, five, ten times. We didn't get enough this week. Money's not my focus. Jesus needs to be our focus. And I think that that's what's truly the heartbeat of new hope uh, here in Talmadge because our heart truly is about getting people the gospel of Jesus Christ to remote areas where people have never heard about jesus christ before so be please be in prayer for brother jerry as he's there right now so i don't know if you heard him say that but he left on tuesday so he's actually there and uh he said uh, pastor i'm gonna be taking pictures i said you better take pictures and i want to hear what we've done do you know it only takes seven thousand dollars to build a church isn't that amazing remember the one one church building that just had the one wall and uh so there we were last week as we presented him. And you know what was great? He, uh, he just wept and wept and wept. He said nobody's ever done that for him before. So I'm glad, we, I'm glad I had the opportunity to listen to the Holy Spirit and be able to, that we, we as a church gifted him with, with last week's offering and budget. And so that's just exciting for me. Well, let me continue to tell you about this wonderful couple, David and Svea Flood. Well, unfortunately, when they arrived, the chief of the tribe wouldn't let them live in the village. They were first forced to live about a mile away. And their only contact with anyone from the village was this small young boy whom the chief allowed to come sell them food. So Svea ended up uh, leading that young boy to faith in Jesus Christ. But that was their only progress. They never had contact with anyone else from the village. And eventually the other couple contracted malaria and they left the mission field. The floods were on their own. And soon Svea, who was pregnant, also contracted malaria. She died several days after giving birth. Her husband dug a crude grave, buried his 27-year-old wife, and went back to the main mission station. He gave his newborn baby girl... To the missionaries there and said, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife. I obviously can't take care of this baby. God has ruined my life. And he took his son and left. Missionaries adopted this baby girl and his baby daughter and brought her back to the United States to raise her. At this point, this story, I can't help but wonder why a man of such faith Would actually respond this way I've never had to deal with this kind of disappointment or this type of heartache But it seems like the pain was just too much for him to bear his life seemed completely ruined Beyond repair from his perspective. This was how his story ended There was no coming back from such a devastating loss When I was a kid, there were these books that let you pick your own ending. When you got to a certain part in the book, you got to choose what you wanted to do next. And there were Star Trek versions of these books. And these books have sold over 250 million copies over the years, which I'm not surprised. Most of us would prefer to choose our own ending, wouldn't we? We like the idea that we can change our circumstance and decide our own outcomes. It would be great if we had a rule option B that would allow us to avoid problems and dodge difficulties. Eventually, we all reach a point in our story where we want to quit reading. The challenges are just so overwhelming. The relationships are broken. This situation just seems too impossible to fix. The pain is too great. And I believe that David flood, our missionary, had just reached that point. Have you ever reached a point like that? You're overcome with the pain of your struggle, and you just want to quit. Yet here is my question. What if what feels like the end is actually just the middle? What if what feels like the end is actually just the middle? When God is the author of your story, you can trust that His grace will have the final word. God's grace can redeem anything you're facing. That's my reminder. You hear me, church? That's my reminder. I have to remind myself of that. And one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible about the power of God's grace is Romans 8.28. Romans When it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. So Paul is telling us that the author of our stories is going to bring a good ending no matter how bad the current chapter you're reading might seem to be. And that is the promise of grace. But let's be honest with each other this morning. Let's be honest here. When you are the one that is hurting, when it's your health that is failing, when it's your marriage that's falling apart, when it's your child that is struggling, when it's your job that is being eliminated, and when the pain is too much, the idea that God's grace can work things out for the good seems the best naive but more likely offensive. We just don't get it. Like, why? I don't even want to hear that. It just doesn't make sense to me. The promise must have seemed just as unbelievable to the Christians in Rome. Who first received it. Because of their faith, they faced potential loss of their jobs. He writes about them in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, and he says, This, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height. nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. (sighs) Isn't that awesome? (sighs) Let me just deflate. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Paul wasn't calling for blind optimism here. Not at all. He doesn't say, and we think that in all things, God will work for good. He doesn't say, and we believe, or we hope, or are pretty sure. He says, we know God works for the good of those who love him. And now, let me explain something. So, the word translated, which you've heard me preach on before. Everybody preaches on Romans 8.28, right? Because it's just great medicine for the soul. But here, the word translated, we know is used in another place in Romans 8. It's found in verse 22. Now notice this. Paul is talking about how bad this world is, and he writes, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Paul is saying two things that are absolutely true. What are they? Let's look at them. One, life is hard and God is good. Look to the people around you and say, life is hard. But now look at him with confidence and say this, "God God is good. Paul is completely sure about these two truths. But the space between the two, sometimes he feels like it's an eternity. And it does feel like that, doesn't it? Some may like to receive a spoiler alert. Someone lets us know how it will end. Paul doesn't give a spoiler alert, but he does tell us how the story ends. Because of grace, we know in all things, God God works for the good of those who love him and are called to his purpose. Sometimes you just have to keep reading. Now we're going to pause there just for a minute because I want to return back to the story of David Flood. David fled the Swedish missionary who moved his young family all the way to Africa to see just one child, just one child come to faith. Then he lost his wife to malaria soon after she gave birth to their daughter, furious with God. David buried his wife, gave his baby back to Sweden with his gave his baby back to the missionary couple from the United States and then went back to Sweden with his small son. Well, that daughter was given the name of Aggie and grew up in the United States with Christian parents. And one day, she checked her mailbox and for some unknown reason, found this Swedish magazine. Now, I don't think it was luck. I know there was purpose behind it, right? She was flipping through it when a photo stopped her cold in her reading. It was a picture of this crude grave with a white cross. On the cross was the name Svea Flood. She recognized her mother's name. So she took the magazine to someone who could translate the story that accompanied the photo. Aggie sat and listened to the story about the work her mother had done as a young missionary's wife. Sometime later she traveled to sweden to find her father turns out that he had remarried fathered four more children and basically ruined his life with alcohol After an emotional meeting with her half siblings aggie brought up the subject of seeing her father they hesitated and then explained You can talk to him But he's very very ill and you need to know that whenever he hears the name of God, he flies into a rage. Well, Aggie wasn't deterred by what they said. She walked into this tiny apartment, saw empty liquor bottles everywhere, and approached the 20—I'm sorry—approached the 73-year-old man who had deserted her years before. As soon as she said "Papa," he began to cry and apologize profusely. She smiled. It's all right, Papa. God took care of me. Instantly, he stiffened and his tears stopped. God forgot all of us, he said, turning his face to the wall. Our lives have been like this because of him. Papa, Aggie said, I've got a story to tell you, and it's a true one. Listen closely. The little boy you and mama led to the Lord grew up to lead his entire village to faith in Jesus. The one seed you planted just kept growing and growing and growing. Today more than 600 African people are serving the Lord because your faithful call of God in your life. Listen, Papa, you didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain. You see, Papa, Jesus loves you. He has never, ever hated you. Yet this old missionary, David, was stunned. His muscles relaxed. And their conversation continued. By the end of the day, he had come back to God. He had Resented for so many decades, and within weeks he walked through the doorway of death and into his eternal home with God in heaven. I'm thankful for what God did as David Flood lived out his last weeks on earth. But I can't help but think that David could have handled his pain so much better. If he just hadn't lost his faith. God's goodness if only he would have believed that God's grace is greater what if instead of closing the book he would have just kept reading what if one of the reasons we have a hard time in believing that God's grace is working for our good in our lives is because of how we all how all of us define good We tend to thank God. Working for our good means we won't experience pain and we'll somehow be exempt from the suffering of this world. But God's definition of good is different from that. So, what is God's definition of good? How does God's grace, being about goodness in our life, give you two points and then we'll close? You could know God's grace is working in your pain to draw you closer to Jesus. You can know God's grace is working in your pain to draw you closer to Jesus. But I'm already close to Jesus, pastor. Are you? Mm. I've experienced it in my own life. I like what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 says this, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted, but let but the sorrow of the world produces Death, But worldly sorrow brings death we go through something incredibly difficult and in the midst of it We discover Jesus in a way we had never known him before what you thought was the worst thing you thought could happen to you Becomes the best thing because it brought you closer to Jesus I'm preaching to the choir We have to realize that in our own personal life Hardships are going to come heartaches going to come but if it will draw me closer to loving Jesus even more, then that's what I want to go through. I don't want to fall away from Jesus. I want to know that he's with me. I know that, you know, I, you know, I love in that song where it says you were like a lion, like burst out with praise, right? So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again and again and again and again. So I throw up my hands and I praise you. Again and again number two You can know that God's grace is working in your pain to make you more like Jesus Leave that up there. You can know that God's grace is working in your pain to make you more like Jesus I love the Lord God's grace takes all the broken pieces God's grace takes all the broken pieces of our lives and puts them together so that we look more like Jesus. Then, after promising to work for the good in our lives, he gives us the next verse in Romans 8.29. And I love this verse. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That he might be conformed to the image of his son. My wife tells me that as a man, I have no clue of what real pain is about. I have never had a baby. She said if I were up to, if it were up to men to have babies, this world of people would come to a complete end. The closest thing to having childbirth is to pass a kidney stone. Amen. Amen. I had to say that I thought about you, Van. I once stubbed my toe, so I know what that's like. Becky said that may be true for a male, but the person who wrote the study had never been in labor for 10 hours and given birth, right? But then, Beck makes a great argument here. There's a big difference between choosing pain and having no choice. Meaning that women are tougher because they consciously choose to have pain. Whereas a man has never chosen to pass a kidney. So listen to this, I, th- I think there's like this book or something that says, uh, I'm excited to pass another kidney, said no man, <laughs> kidney stone, so, oh, yeah, kidney stone, thank you, sorry, there was a type, you know, Jay gets me all the time, he's like, pastor, did you mean this? And I said, did I mean what? So, write that down in one of those things. When the pastor says passing a kidney, passing a kidney stone. Okay, let me go back to my notes here. Okay, so you, got, you all have a good point, right? Uh, but why would a woman choose to go through it again? It is because she knows it is pain with a purpose. Isn't that interesting? She knows that it's pain with a purpose once the labor is done and her child is with her she often wishes god would grant her another pregnancy There's a purpose that comes from the pain of childbirth and as long as we have confidence that pain has a purpose We can find strength to endure And paul reminds us that god's grace That gives us confidence His grace in our pain is a promise that whatever pain we go through in this life does not get wasted. It will give birth to something good. And I have people tell me everything happens for a reason. I know God has a reason for this. When the pain of life is so overwhelming, we are desperate to make sense of it. We think if there is a reason for it, the pain won't hurt so much, but I'm not sure there's always a reason. And even if there is, we won't always understand it, will we? Here's a way I've found to reframe this question Instead of asking, what is the reason, we should ask, what is the purpose? What is the purpose? Because I don't know if there's always a reason, but I know God's grace has a purpose. Reason looks for a because, but purpose focuses on the for. Reason wants a logical explanation that will make sense out of whatever has happened, but I love this. purpose offers us hope that whatever happens, God can work for good. That whatever happens, God can work for good. God's grace to us in our pain is that our pain is not without purpose. God can work through it to make us more like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, For to this end I also write that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You all want Christ's power to rest on you? Amen. Let me say this in closing. God started speaking to me before service. And I think I'll make it next week's message. In regard to part two of this. This is kind of how he does things. Let me just show you all something. So when God starts speaking, I start writing. So I ran back to my office as the Lord started speaking to me. Don't miss next week because I'm gonna, I think I really do believe that God's going to give us some great truths to his word. There was a child that was b- born with no arms. He struggled with many tasks that most kids had no trouble with. He tells of a time when he was very young when he was trying to get his shirt on. His mom and her friend stood watching him struggle. Mom's friend said, why don't you help your poor child? Mom stood there with her arms folded and held stiffly at her side by her jaw, clamped tight as she resisted every instinct and through grinning she responded, I am I know you are some suffering or, or
0: you're, you're living with pain. and see
2: that God should do something to help. That God needs to show up right there, right then and help you and free you from it. But consider the possibility that God in His grace is helping. And sometimes grace hurts so it can help. It is hard to find grace in disappointment it's hard to find grace in abandonment it's hard to find grace in betrayal it's hard to find grace in cancer but maybe god allows the cancer to help us take stock in our life and help those around us think about their own eternity it's hard to find grace with a teacher who comes down really hard on you but maybe to make you stronger it is hard when you are looking for a job and it can't be found, but maybe God will use this time to bring you closer to Him. It is hard when, it's very hard when your heart has been broken, but maybe God is trying to teach you about putting your hope in the wrong person or thing and placing your hope in Jesus Christ, placing your hope in Him. God's grace to you is that He will work through Your pain to accomplish His good purpose in your life. Church, God will bring good out of your bad. God will bring good out of your bad. I've been preaching that to myself for a while. God will bring good out of your bad. And even if you can't currently see God, and maybe you can't see how God might be drawing you closer, or getting glory from your pain, you still need to remember you're in the middle. This isn't the end of your story. You're in the middle. This isn't the end of your story. You know why? Because grace will have the final word. I would like to finish with these scripture verses because I want it to resonate in our hearts. And I want you to know that in my life, I ask myself the question, is it well with your soul, Todd? Is it well with you? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says this, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And then we continue in 2 Corinthians, Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 who has saved us and called us with the holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began and then we finish with John 1 14 not really finished but we'll wrap it up here and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth and then as we started with 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Don't you love the number three? Don't you love numbers in the Bible? It's so important. But he said, I pleaded not once, not twice, but three times. God didn't take care of it the first time around. He didn't take care of it in the middle. It took three times, right? Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. From me. And he said to me, Listen, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul knew what he was saying to the Corinthian church. Paul knew that he said, listen, no matter what I'm going through, it's just for a season. It's just for a time. And I declare today that God is for us. He's not against us. And when God throws us lemons, we make lemonade. And when the bad ends up in our life, we become better, not bitter. And we know that God is on the throne and Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit bears witness with us and that, they, that there is hope for each and every one of us. And we we know that we're not victims, that we're victors. We know that Jesus is for us, not against us. Because why? We're children of the Most High God. And the word grace means unmerited favor. So accept and receive that all His, his grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, I want Him and I encourage you. That you will come, become strong and through Jesus Christ you will win. I promise you. Do you receive it this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's rise to our feet as we pray. Father God, we love you. and We thank you that Lord you are here with us today. That God, we realize that life can be hard. But God, you are good. And that your grace is all sufficient. Father, we thank you that during our difficult times, that we can call on the name of Jesus. And, Father, thank you for being with us in the middle. Thank you for traveling with us in the middle. Thank you for being with us throughout all life struggles. And, Lord, we thank you that your grace is all sufficient. Lord, in our weakness, help us to be strong. Lord, there's some in this room today that, Lord, are dealing with really that struggle in their own life. Oh, God, I pray that you will, will shed light and love and let them feel your peace and that you are the great comforter. And so, Father, I pray that you will just speak to them. Let them release it. Let them realize that, Lord, in this moment, in this space, in this time, that, Lord, you're there to deliver them, to strengthen them. Lord, let us receive the power that you have for us to become better, not bitter. Lord, to love you, to live our life out for you. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your grace is greater. Lord, let us fill your presence today. And Lord, we pray for deliverance in our life from the strongholds of our past to the sins of our iniquities of the present. Deliver us in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.